Hi, I'm Gary and this is episode 76 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be continuing our occasional series on EVs you can buy and we'll be looking at the Peugeot E2008. Before we start, I wanted to say that this week I've recorded an excellent conversation with Sam Clark from GridServe. Hopefully this will be part of a follow-up discussion we have on the ChargePoint operators, and it looks like that episode will be the opening one for next season, so that should give us all something to look forward to. Our main topic of discussion today is Peugeot's E2008. It's been out for something like six or eight months now, and I was approached by a listener who has one, and who's agreed to come on the program and talk to me about the car and his day-to-day usage of it. Welcome to Namdi Jenkins-Johnson. Namdi has had his 2008 for about three months and previously had an i3. As you know, we're big fans of the i3 on this program, so we'll be sure to come back and ask him how the 2008 compared with the BMW. Uh, Obviously, we wanted to know why he plumbed for a 2008 after owning an i3. That's a good question. Um, So I I have to say, I absolutely love the i3 and obviously my my kind of... um, I do a lot of comparisons between the two cars, which is probably not fair. I so after after my lease expired on the i3, I wanted to get um, a new i3. But the prices had gone up, you know, quite a lot in the two years um, since I'd had the car. Looked into getting some other cars. So I, I you know I did some research into uh, the Kona and the E Nero, but they weren't. Uh, I think at the time, so this is 2018. They they weren't. They hadn't produced that many of them. They weren't available, and I ended up having to go back to a to a nice car, unfortunately. Um, <gasps> yes, I know, I know. Uh, I won't go into very many uh, details about that because it's uh, it's a uh, um, it's been a two year nightmare. So um, I I was just looking for something that was affordable that was sort of roughly around the same price as I paid for the i three back in 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 2016. The e 2008 came up as as, as an option. So the the choices I had at the time were at the MG ZS EV. Um, I thought about the the Zoe as well, but that didn't have enough space really. Um, mm-hmm. And the 2008 just kind of fits with with my requirements, you know, in terms of price of the lease, um, the space, um, the range. So I went for I went I went for the 2008. I was interested to know whether the SUV styling of the car appealed to him. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it appealed to me, and and it I, I know it's done as an SUV, but it's it's more of a of a um, kind of souped up. But hatchback really it's not really suv like i had i will i will confess so the car i had before the 2008 was a was another purchase it was a 3008 um and, and that is an ev uh, that is an suv sorry mm-hmm. um the 2008 is a lot smaller it sits lower on the ground um it it, it sort of has the same you the height off the ground is probably similar to, to the i3 actually and 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 um that kind of appealed to me, so kind of going back to, to to that car. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily because it was an SUV um, that I went for. It was it was more to do with the price and and the range I was able to get out of it. If I'm honest. So how far is he driven in it? I would have normally been doing my commute to work. I I sort of live in London and work outside of London, and my commute is about a sixty mile round trip. In between the various restrictions we've uh, we've had uh, around lockdown, I've managed to do a few good trips, and I've even managed to go out um, to France in it actually, um, and that was about six hundred mile round trip. So I've put about just over a thousand miles on it. And in terms of the range, I think kind of getting 
um, roughly, I think it's down, the WFTP is 200 and something uh, miles, but I definitely haven't seen that. I think realistically, in terms of the kind of driving I've done, um, I've been getting about 180 on a good day. Um, okay. Which you see, is, that's, which is, that's not bad. I'm looking at the EV database at the moment, and um, they say the real range is about 155. Yeah. So if you're getting above that, that's uh, that's not bad at all. Has um, has the change in the weather affected the, the range drastically? Um, I, I, not that I've noticed, but again, I haven't been using it since um, since Christmas, really, with, with what's been happening with lockdown. Um, so most of my driving has been before the weather really turned um, very cold. Um, but I, it does have a heat pump, so it has uh, kind of helps to mitigate, you know, the, the losses you get, you know, in colder weather or not. Right. I mean, from my experience with the car so far, I don't think that's going to be a huge issue, particularly the way that I drive. I, you know, I'm always in eco mode, always B mode driving. So I, I tend to, you know, just not go crazy when, when I'm driving it. So one of the contributors to increased range is Regen. How good is Regen on the 2008? It's not great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's that's that's one thing I think that I don't like about the car is that there's not enough regen, particularly coming you know comparing it to the i3 where there was a, I think a lot of people have complained about the i3 having too much regen, but I don't think that you can have such a thing really. I, I really enjoy um, that almost one pedal driving feel yeah. of of yeah. the cars. And the 2008 doesn't have that at all. Of course, there's also a school of thought which says that when you're driving on the motorway, the regen function is actually slowing you down and causing you to use more energy to overcome the regen effect than you actually get from the regen itself. I know of an e-golf driver who always turns the regen off when on the motorway to extend his range. But the physics might not be 100% accurate on that. One selling point for the e2008 is the charging speed. It's alleged to top out at 99 kilowatts. Has Namdi ever experienced that? Uh, yes. Yeah, so the trip we we took to France, I uh, was able to charge. Oh, what another thing actually I should mention is that you, you're not able to easily see the charge you're getting or the state of charge actually of the 2008. It doesn't have. You can't see what potent, uh, battery percentage you have. So it's just got like you know the gom with the with the estimated uh, range you can do. There's mm -hmm. no percentage battery percentage visible until you plug the car in, which again is another very annoying thing. Um, so when it's charging, you can't actually see how, how you know what you're getting into the car. It tells you the range, you know, the speed of charge in, in miles per hour, which is just bizarre. Bjorn Nylon has done um, some some videos around the uh, the 2008 and he's figured out a way of calculating. I, if, you, if the charger doesn't tell you, you know, how much um, it's putting into the car, there's a way of calculating based on what Peugeot are displaying where you can kind of figure out what that is. And, and I think I've got, if I've done the calculations correctly, I think I've got about sort of 90 odd kilowatts out of it, which, is, which isn't too bad, really. That whole thing of not seeing the state of charge or charge speed seems a little backwards, especially when other vehicles such as the Hyundai's, the Kia's and the Tesla's have it. Yeah, I, I honestly don't understand it. it. It should be the simplest thing. And funnily enough, you can, you do it is a, it is visible. It is available when, when once you um, plug the you know the, the cable in. 
you can mm. so it's not it's not a software thing or yeah I, I just don't understand why they don't have it which brings us on nicely to what doesn't namdi like about the e2008 the stuff that annoys me regen not having the region um of of an i3 for example um really bothers me the app isn't great again comparing it to the i3 where you were able to open doors windows etc just from your app was amazing the only thing you can really do on the 2008 app that's useful is check your that's one area where you are able to check the percentage of your battery actually is, is via the app and just check on your charging basically and, and do and and um pre-cool or pre-heat the car that's about it um, does it allow you to pre-cool and preheat without it being plugged in it can but i think the battery needs to be above a certain percentage mm-hmm. Otherwise, it, it won't allow you to do that. Anything else you dislike about the 2008? Are there any inconveniently placed buttons, for example? Okay, so that the buttons I, I'm not a huge fan of. So something I've heard other reviewers um, talk about is the, the, the fact that um, the climate control, you can only you know adjust it through the touchscreen. It's not a huge problem for me, but what is more of a problem is the fact that it's quite laggy, the um the touchscreen is really slow and it takes a while to kind of react to your, your prods. Um, and also some of the buttons, so for example, I believe it's a navigation and sort of, um, uh, there, there, there's certain buttons that are not uh, tactile buttons. So, and my wife particularly hates them. So you, you can't tell whether, you don't get any feedback from when you're pressing them. So that, uh... but these are very small things, you know, in, in the large, um, in the grand scheme of things. So, as we mentioned earlier, Namdi used to have an i3. So how do these two cars compare from the point of view of performance? Ooh, I would have to say uh, it's not it's not as um, speedy off the mark as the i3. Um, but that again is not an issue for me. I, you know, I like I said, I, I, I use it to get to, you know, when I was able to go into work to, to get into work and um, do a bit of shopping, pick the kids up from their various activities. So I'm not, you know, looking to to break any. Um, records uh, in in the car but it's not as speedy it's not as responsive as the i3 having driven an i3 i'm not surprised the performance of the e2008 doesn't quite match up to it it's a nippy little car but what about the build quality persia doesn't have all the kind of um sustainable ethos that the i3 has you know in terms Mm -hmm. of using recycled material and and carbon fiber and all that kind of stuff It, it looks okay it looks quite decent I, I mean, I love the exterior of the of the 2008. I think it looks amazing. I really, really like the way it looks. Yeah. Um, the interior as well has some kind of fake carbon fiber stuff, which I'm not overly uh, amazed by, but it, it, it you know, does the job. Nothing sort of rattles or, or shakes or anything like that. I love the seats. The seats are, are really good quality. Um, they've got this sort of mix of um, faux leather and, and, and material, which works really, really well. It's very comfortable to sit in. So I think you know I would say I prefer the seats in the 2008 than the um, than the i3 in terms of how comfortable they are. So would Namda go back to the i3? I'm not sure. There there, there are a lot of things I like about the i3, but uh, uh, it doesn't have the same amount of space. So the 2008 has a, a bigger boot, for example. Also, the spec I have on the 2008, if I was to try and get those things on the i3. So the i3 that I had was 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 the entry level, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm missing quite a lot of the stuff I've currently got on the 2008 adaptive cruise control. Um, it's got a pan- panoramic roof, which is really nice. Um, keyless entry, 
it's got this kind of smart beam assist thing. So it's got four LED lights, and then when you're turning curves, there's a secondary light that kind of flashes on the corner, like the blind, not the blind spot, but like a section of the road that you wouldn't necessarily get lighting on, which is really, really clever. Oh, yeah. Like that. One thing to remember about the E2008 is that the sat-nav, like many sat-navs in non-Tesla vehicles, is using a fixed database, which is not regularly updated over the air. But is it any good? It's good enough for me to use it <laughs> because <laughs> uh, in in the, the, the sat-navs in cars, I just sort of, I find out initially whether there's Apple CarPlay or, or, or Android Auto and just plug it in straight away. Um, yeah. But uh, the Porsche 2008 uses TomTom, which I used to use before, you know, we had um, apps such as um, Waze. So I, I was keen to kind of try it out and it actually works really well. It's not, it's not without its its flaws. So, uh, for example, I've, I've, um, it doesn't keep up to date as much as, you know, the, you know, a Google Maps or, or, mm-hmm. or, or Waze would. And I've actually had a few fines from uh, driving down roads that have uh, had sort of restrictions on them uh, that the, the map didn't, uh, didn't know about. And I've, oh, I've, that's no good. Oh, good grief. Um, which is, yeah, which is a bit annoying. So I won't use it all the time, but I, I do feel comfortable using it. The final question I had to ask Namdi is the same when I ask every driver who comes on to talk about their EV. Is he happy with the car? I, I am. I, I have to say I, I am happy. I mean, in an ideal world, I'd like a little bit more range, perhaps. Um, you know, it's it's a 50 kilowatt hour battery with, I think, 45 kilowatt hour um, usable. So that that's... That's the one thing I think if, if I could change one thing about a car, it would be just having a little bit sort of, you know, E-Nero sized battery would be great, I think. On the whole, I am, I am happy, I have to say. Thank you very much to Namdi for his time. He quite sensibly isn't on any social media, so I can't actually put any links in the show notes for you to contact him. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. Rivian delivery vans have been spotted in the wild in Los Angeles. I'm quite excited to hear about this. Amazon-backed Rivian have finally got their new delivery vans out in the wild delivering packages. At the moment it's in Los Angeles, but it's still good to see. They've received a little bit of stick for the pedestrian sound that the vehicles make when driving at slow speeds. But given the huge number of these that have been ordered, it's great to see them out there and anything which makes it a little bit safer for the pedestrians is always welcome. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com or use the evmusings Twitter account, Musings EV. If you want to support the podcast and the newsletter, please consider contributing to become an EV Musings patron. The link is in the show notes. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So, You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. At the moment, if you've got Kindle Unlimited or the Kindle Lending Library, it's free. Please check it out. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review, preferably five stars, as it uh, raises visibility and extends our reach in search engines. Thanks, as always, to my co-founder, Simon. His wife told me he ate all his Christmas chocolate one evening before bed and it gave him strange dreams. She awoke to hear him talking in his sleep. Uh, There's certain buttons that are not uh, tactile buttons. Thanks for listening. Bye.